Welcome to the All Time Podcast 2020 Year in Review episode. As you expect this week, we're talking strictly about the music that got us through this turbulent year. We got a lot of ground to cover and we're going to end the episode going back and forth on each of our top 10 albums of the year. But first, we want to say thank you to everyone who tuned in and showed love and support in 2020. We realize how lucky we are to have been something you look forward to on a weekly basis. And whether we were able to put you onto new music, distract you, or just make you laugh in 2020, it means a lot to us. We hope everyone is doing well and staying as safe as possible. Entering the holiday season, we send our love out to everyone who doesn't have very high spirits entering the holiday season after the year handed to us. Enjoy the episode. The year is almost over. We're almost through it. Finito. did something different this year that uh, I enjoy doing and I'm sure you enjoy doing but uh, we have created uh, two playlists uh, one playlist all-time podcast uh, hip-hop songs of the year 2020 and all-time podcast everything else songs of the year 2020 yeah uh, that's it's different for us we had some fun doing it I think it's good for you guys so we can put out uh, songs uh, from albums that we'll be talking about in this week's episode. And that we spoke about. Throughout the year throughout as the well. Year. Uh, my playlist is probably going to be all the same. <laughs> <laughs> and you already told me to, <laughs> if I did it on purpose or not. But uh, yeah, it's super fun. I can't wait to uh, for you guys to hear these playlists. Uh, there's a bunch of songs on there. It's going to get you through what we thought were some of the best uh, albums and songs of the year. How should people listen to them? Uh, we're going to be on Instagram sharing the playlists. They will be exclusively on Spotify Music. But how should people listen to them? With their ears? I think when people listen to the Everything Else playlist, you should not listen to it on Shuffle. I took the time to order it in the way I would want to hear it. If, 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 if you guys don't know Steven by now and our relationship... But Stephen likes to take time and put things in order. Yeah, uh, We've gone on many road trips where he's made playlists and they actually flow super fantastic into one another. That's a playlist, man. Yep, it's no, you're just, absolutely right. just hitting random and letting the, the computers do the work for you. Uh, I've created many playlists in my, in my time, but I just hit random on it. So how should people listen to the hip-hop one? Uh, for the hip-hop one, honestly, uh, just press play or randomize it. Uh, there is one song to start it off with, and it's going to be the first song you see when you get there. So as soon as you hear that song, then everything else could be randomized. Uh, it's basically my favorite hip-hop songs of the year. And for the Everything Else playlist, do as you'd like, but I think I structured it to have a bit of a flow. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's, get, let's, let's start with the episode. Yeah, we got a lot of music to talk about. Uh, 2020 was a good year for music. It's probably the only thing it was good for. Lots of releases. Artists had to rethink the way they put out music uh, to some extent. I mean, a lot of albums didn't get toured. A lot of albums didn't, you know, it, it was different. Basically, everything went on pause as of February, right? No March. 
pretty much in March. I think yeah. it's got put on pause. Because things were still happening pretty well in January, February, and beginning of March, I'd say. Yeah. Um, lots of great releases. I mean, pretty much everyone from bands that I like or in or bands that I like or put stuff out. So I was super impressed with hip-hop. This is probably one of the best years of hip-hop. Better than 2019. Probably even better than, I would say, a couple of the years in the last decade. Wow. Yeah, this was big. Like, this was like, I'm still listening to stuff that came out in February. There was probably some bad music, so why don't we start with the bad music, albums that we were looking forward to that ended up disappointing us. Yeah, start off with that one. By the way, I like your shirt. I I, I keep looking at it, and since I walked into your house, I keep looking at that shirt. Thank it, you. it actually suits you super well. Thank you. When did you buy that? Uh, probably during quarantine, I found Okay, because it. it's fucking... Did you show me that? I probably showed it to yeah, you. It's super nice. People are wondering what it is. It's the Modern Lovers. It's the Modern Lovers logo t-shirt. Listen to the Modern Lovers. I just wanted to make a nice comment about you. Thank you. The hoodie suits you. It's a Vans <laughs> fucking know. hoodie. Um, what were some albums that disappointed you in 2020? Uh, I'm disappointed, but before we get into the albums, I'm disappointed that... We only had one album from the TDE camp. Which was? Uh, Reason. Okay. Yeah. Uh, TDE is Top Dog Entertainment, Kendrick Lamar, Schoolboy Q, uh, J-Rock, uh, Absol, Isaiah Rashad, uh, SZA, a bunch of huge, huge names and people that I like to listen to a lot. And in the last decade, did a lot of music, a lot of music. Uh Reason was the only one who came out with an album, New Beginnings, that was super anticipated uh, for a fan of hip-hop, fan of TDE, yeah. and didn't deliver. Okay. He's, bi- he's my biggest disappointment of 2020 in albums. Okay. Very mediocre albums, a lot of the same songs repeat itself, which is super weird because throughout 2019 and the beginning of 2020, mm-hmm. he came out with a lot of singles. But you didn't know if they would make the album. But those singles were fucking amazing like if this was on his album the album would have been so much better like like he had songs with boogie absol uh i think he also had a song with j-rock like there's a lot of things that came out that were really great pieces of work didn't make the cut of the album Hmm. like he released like four or five songs before releasing the album and then the album just felt stale like, there were some really good tracks on it, but then it just, it just didn't feel right. Songs sounded too much alike. He was doing flows that he shouldn't be doing. I don't know. It was just, it was weird. It was weirdly put together. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that by, being my biggest disappointment, but also the fact that Kendrick didn't come out with an album, J-Rock, Schoolboy Q, uh, Absol, who hasn't put out an album since my son was fucking two years old and now he's five so it's been a while like I'm Isaiah Rashad that was supposed to come out with an album this year those things weren't coming out so I was super disappointed but what what they did to kick off the decade because in 2010 those guys were fucking hot and those guys were putting out projects mm-hmm. so you see where I'm getting at anything else no really that uh, that's really one it. disappointment only in hip hop uh, like a big disappointment yes really yeah big disappointment yes okay you I got a few, actually. I got, um, we're going to upset Sonia right away. I got Matt Berninger, Serpentine Prison was a disappointment to me. Really? Yeah, I mean, uh, one of my favorite frontmen from uh, 
probably, if not my favorite active band, tied for one, tied for number one spot, singer for the National, puts out an entire album produced by Booker T. Jones. Uh, there was a lot of hype around it. A lot of people were talking about it. There were singles that were put out like as far back as May, five months before the album came out in October. And But he's a big artist, though. He's a big artist with the National. The National are very successful. These are guys that collaborate with the musicians in the National, or at least Aaron Dessner, the guitar player and songwriter and piano player. He he helped Taylor Swift write her whole album this year, so they kept busy but not with the National. I feel like as a, deb- like a debut solo album from a singer of a band, I was expecting this project to sound like the National, and instead it showed me how dependent he is on his bandmates to make the national-type music, the national-level music. It's not a terrible album, so I'm not saying I don't like it and I, I can't, it's not listenable. It's disappointing Well, yeah. in the sense that I expected this. Uh, I expected it to be a big well, deal. Them being one of your favorite bands, I could understand why. Um, another, another album that I really didn't like this year and probably more of a disappointment than the Matt Berninger album is Car Seat Headrest, Making a Door Less Open, put out a, they put out a not, like their album is not listenable in my opinion. Didn't you have one of their albums in your decade, the last decade? If not one, two. Yeah, it's true. Their last two albums, the one that they broke out with was not their last one, but the one before called Teens of Denial was a really good post-punk I mean kind of punk rock record even I'd say the album following that Twin Fantasy was very interesting because he broke out on Reddit putting out an album on Reddit for free for people to hear bedroom demos and whatever and he re-recorded that whole album that broke that he broke out with and hearing him bring that type of bedroom rock to a studio and properly recording it 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 really pushed him into like shit like he could not only take like this thing that people found so great and make it better, give it new life, let's say. It really set him up to follow that with like something, maybe his best work after that. And instead it was just this. It got too weird. It's too... I, I don't want to use the word pop, but the sounds he's using, the, there's electronics that are not super fitting for car seat headrest so it just didn't work as much and another artist the third disappointment i have is sufin steven the ascension you were waiting for that one i was waiting for it because carrie and lowell the last album was one of my favorite albums of the decade and and for him to follow up with this again pop not as disappointing as car seat headrest but not very listenable either so it's pop sounding or is it more of like his slow pace uh music that he likes to do it's a bit of both but it, but when I say pop, I don't mean pop in the sense that it's upbeat. I mean pop in the sense that the songwriting is simplified, and it's tried to it 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 tries to be more catchy in its own way, but he's still kind of using weird Sufian elements. Okay, yeah. that's not lost. Let's say this guy likes to put out albums a lot too, right? So you're not gonna like everything he puts out. It's every two years he puts out an album, if not sometimes uh, every I'd year. I'd say a bit more. A bit yeah, more. yeah, a bit more. What was his last one? His last one was 2019 or 2018. It's because he does projects in between. So he had a couple projects in between, but his last actual studio album, I think, was 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was the same year as uh, 
I really don't remember exactly. Well, it was in your top 10 that year for sure. Right, if, so if it was my top one, it was no top. It was in my top two for sure. I think it was the same year as Pimple Butterfly. When was that? 2015. I think it was that. I think it's it's five years back now. Really? So when you're waiting for something like that Sufin puts out. Um, That's the one about his mom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like it, that cover. It's it just kind of like you wait, you wait so long for something that, especially that you weren't expecting that last album to be so good like the way like the way he put that album out was just it shook the world a bit like people it got him a lot of attention he wrote songs for call me by your name after like it 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 made him relevant he hadn't been relevant since or that relevant since 2005 yeah with illinois it was 2015 this album wow five year wait and and the last time before that 2010 so five years in between every time okay so what i'm seeing from him is different projects when he puts them out it's often very different, yeah. Okay. This one, this album re- resembles the age of uh, uh, the, the album before that. Okay. But not great. So you're most overrated now? My most... W- wait, o- hold on a second. Before you say it, what does overrated mean? Overrated is just things that you saw on lists or that people praised or that, that you thought were too high. Do I ha- Did I have to hear the whole album or could I have skimmed through it? I guess skim through it if you didn't if you didn't click with it. See, I didn't click with Fiona Apple. That's yours. Yeah, vegetable cutters. I'm gonna say is overrated. I don't uh, I don't understand how it how so many people like that. It's on number ones all over the place. Exactly. It's crazy. And I I understand like she has her fan base and whatever, which makes sense. Like we like artists that we stick to or whatever. But I I don't. It's not music that to me makes sense at number one everywhere. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. It's for a particular audience, right? I find that when she puts out an album, people go crazy for. Like it makes lists. It's a number one everywhere. It's like top five. Pitchfork goes crazy for it. Those like very obscure uh, websites that do stuff, like do lists and stuff like that, always put her in a top five or at number one. Is it just me? Or is it because they need to when she puts out an album? Because it feels like when this came out... It was, there was no weight. It was just like, oh, this is amazing. 10 on 10, 9 on 10. It's They're particularly biased to her. The, the critics seem to really like her. I mean... Is it boring? Because what I've heard from her is very boring. It's not boring. It's it's so particular. It sounds like like I. It sounds like circus music on Vicodin. But it's like... Jesus. But but it's... it's <laughs> Vicodin's the thing that makes you... It's it's still good. It's still yeah. good songwriting, but it's kind of like... Remember Dresden Dolls? I've heard that before. It, okay, never mind. But, it, but it, it, yeah, it's like this... It's it's kind of circusy and like... It's too weird for it to be number one for everyone, I find. Okay, so people put it on number one just because they have to or just because... I don't I don't know. I don't know. But... but like I said, to me, I didn't connect with it as much as maybe everyone else did. I don't think it's a bad album. I think it's just a bit overrated. Okay. You? Uh, I'm going to go with... I re-listened to it this week. I enjoyed it a bit more, but we need to relax. Okay. Uh, J Electronica, Written Testimony. That's a very... Yeah. I still... I Look, it's good music to listen to when it hits you. Because I could listen to it today and say, like, that's it's horrendous. Yeah. Right? Like, but 
people just praise it too much. Like it's on lists. It, it's not an album to be on a list. Yeah, and I feel what you're saying. And I know why. And it's because he hasn't come out with anything and people have been anticipating this. Mm -hmm. But f to wait so long for an album to come out and then give us this as a body of work, it feels too rushed. It feels too like, oh, I'm going to put Jay-Z on it, on every song so that people listen to it more. Well, I think Jay-Z really... Give helped him get the product out. Like it was time. If he didn't, if he didn't get involved, it wasn't coming out type of thing. Malenko said it the best to me the other day and I was listening to it and I said, you know what? I actually, I'm enjoying it more today. I told him like, there's some really good songs. I'm enjoying it more. He said, we waited that long and he put out this and then it resonated with me way more. That's true. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely true. It's lazy. What makes the album is more the music in it. Yeah than what's happening with the with, with the lyrics and I agree with that. Uh, you know what I mean? Like the, uh, he like the Travis Scott where you where he added Travis Scott on the song feels way too like I needed to add Travis Scott to my to my music. Yeah. I I, I uh You agree. I'm on board with that. That's a good uh, I could I could go down the list more. I don't want to start I don't want it to become a bashing of twenty twenty Hip hop that Steven didn't like episode. No, it's fine. But like, I skim through the little baby, my turn. I skim yeah. through the little Uzi uh, guy. Uh, oh, that could, yeah, I'd put that under overrated like, as well. Yeah. I didn't really, but but also I think I'm maybe just like, we're not of the age to, to, to but can I just say something about the Fiona Apple? Yes. There's a song that I put on the playlist, on the best of everything else playlist. There are good songs on it. There are great songs on it. I'm talking about it in terms of like how how praised it was overrated, mm -hmm. not like how I how I enjoyed it versus how much it was praised. Like you said, Jay Electronica. So yes, there's a song of it on the playlist. I didn't dislike the album. Mm -hmm. Little baby, um, uh, my turn, and little Uzi Vert, eternal something of number three or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. Look, it might be not what I'm listening to right now because I'm listening to a lot of that hip-hop mm -hmm. like authentic but i don't understand like the 14 songs the 15 songs of just whiny music yeah like it's yeah. it's like it's not adult music and maybe being at the age i am it doesn't resonate with me and it's very redundant but for somebody to put those albums in like a 10 or a top three or a top five mm -hmm. i i don't under, I, I don't understand is it the music behind it? Is it because it's anticipated? What What is it? I, I, I still don't understand because it's very redundant. It's a lot of the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this album going to be your number three in three, four years? Is this artist going to be relevant? Mm -hmm. It's not relevant music in the next three years or four years or five years. Maybe right now. Yeah. I just don't get it. I find there's more of a a look to the person or the way a person carries themselves mm -hmm. that attracts certain people to that music. You get what I'm trying to tell you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like the look of little Uzi. Are people brings be like, people to listen. And they're not even going to listen to what's going on in the music. They're going to just be like, oh, this sounds cool. I'm, you know, like it's very, it's very, I don't know. I don't get it. And I just don't want to start hating on that because I don't want to be that guy. Because maybe when we get to the next conversation of um, underrated, 
Yeah, go ahead. What were your underrated albums of uh, 2020? Well, something underrated again. Actually, can I throw another overrated? Yes, go for it. The 1975. I saw it on a lot of end of year lists. But you went back and you, it, there's something that you need to say about that because you went back and you texted me. So I went back and I started it and I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm, I'm clicking a bit more with the songs at the beginning of the album. People, Birthday Party. The, the, the original, the first time that I listened to it, I was clicking a bit more with the second or the middle half, the middle part of the album rather. And it's a very long album. It's 22 songs. It's over an hour, like way over an hour. And there's a lot of interludes that happen. Like it opens with an interlude song, interlude song, interlude. So it's like, it takes a lot to get into it. This time around, I was preferring the parts that I didn't prefer the last time. And I remember the first time I was listening to it, there was a middle section that I found was really poppy, really interesting, really memorable, something that could have been memorable. That when I went back this time around, I was like, I don't even remember which of these songs I liked the second time I revisited mm-hmm. it. So I know it wasn't, you know, I think the 1975 are a bit of a, a hype band. Well, they always have been. But I'm happy that there's a rock or a pop rock band that's this big because it's always cool to know that there's another option out there for like, I don't want to say like, seen kids but trendy bands trendy yeah yeah. i think it's cool that this is the trendy band to like quote unquote oh they are well they have fucking merch at urban outfitters they they headline festivals in europe like they're not that big here but people they have their fan base they're somewhat trendy to like okay so i think it's cool that there's this option of like if you don't associate with hip-hop or pop or there's this band that you can mm. okay weird thing to say here i'll put it this way um i never hated sean mendes because he held a guitar if if this is what kids are going to see and it's going to put kids on to wanting to play guitar if people are going to see the 1970 if young kids are going to see the 1975 and want to start bands because of it playing instruments and stuff that. yeah for that's sure that's what i'm saying is good no hate that's i like it. that but I, I just find that this album, it didn't get critically acclaimed, but somehow it's on everyone's end of year list and on weird ones too, like Complex and shit. And I don't know, it just didn't, it didn't. Uh, yeah, no, it, it, it yeah. It, it wasn't, uh, it didn't follow up their last album, which everyone praised. This should have been a step up if you ask me, but anyway. Underrated for me. Uh, explain underrated. Albums you think were really great, but. Really great. It has to be really great, the words. Really but great, good. Better, look, better than people made it out to look, be. Look, I enjoyed, I never thought I would enjoy this. I never thought I would say this, but I really enjoyed the 21 Savage and Metro Boomin, Savage Mode 2. I thought it was super well put together. I thought it was somebody growing up too, where it's like, okay, I need to make better music. I need to pronounce my words better. You know what I mean? It's like... It was more mature? Yeah. It was more mature. There was more thought put into the music. Yeah. Having Morgan Freeman do the... Uh, like talking, doing the skits, opening up the album, doing the in-between songs and stuff like that was, hey, I need to put thought into my music. Yeah. I'm not going to just put out a mu- music that's going to sound like what I did before and actually like 
take the time to make a body of work. And I think Metro Boomin did an amazing job with the production, taking sampling, uh, using different things he didn't use in his other albums, like just different, like he, it was more of a thought process than a, I'm going to be lazy and just fucking rap over a beat. Yeah. Uh, underrated, underrated. Pfft. Another underrated album that I thought was really great uh, and it's probably going to be on my list when I say it later is Stove God Cook's Reasonable Drought. That's an artist that really, like I discovered off looking at an album cover, it's saying produced by Rock Marciano not paying any attention to it because I thought it was who the what the fuck is Stove God Cooks? Is it an artist or is it many artists? But Rock Marciano produced it, so I need to go hear it. And just being blown away from first listen. And just like it was so weirdly good. What is it? Uh what do you mean what is it? Is it a you said is it many artists? Is it one artist? It's one artist. It's a rapper, Stove God Cooks. I know what it is. I'm saying tell people. What oh, it is. okay. Yeah, it's it's one artist. It's one it's one rapper uh, from New York, uh, fully produced by Rock Marciano. It's just having a rapper like it's weirdly put together where the beats are like the Rock Marciano type, like soulful beats. Uh, there's drums. There's sometimes like hard zero drum. Like mm -hmm. there's no bass to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not your average hip hop beat. Yeah. And just having a guy just like weirdly singing but to the point where it doesn't like it he's he shouldn't be singing uh-huh and it's just flowing into hip-hop and the things he says it's just i don't know it just it resonated with me so much that i listen to it every week nice don't want to spend too much time on that one you underrated um I'll go with uh, Caribou Suddenly, which was uh, their first album in, 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 a, in quite a few years, them too. It had been six years since they put something out. Look, it's not as good as Andorra, Swim, Our Love, their, their catalog of like the, the period where they were like consistent and somewhat popular for electronic music. But they came back with a more accessible kind of and I'm not an electronic expert. If there's one thing I don't know very well, it's electronic music. But they came back with a cleaner sound. Caribou always kind of sounded dirty. The mixes were never very clean. This one's more clean cut. There's more sampling. It's why it was one of the albums I told you to go check out. The sampling they were using is interesting. There's more songwriting elements to it. The verses, the chorus changes, there's bridges. Before it was kind of just beats building. So although it's not, like I said, I would never rank this album. The album's called Suddenly. I would never rank this album ahead of classics like Swim or Our Love, which I really liked. But if you skip this Caribou album, I insist you go hear it. Um, another underrated I'd give. I'm going to throw this out there. It's a band called Deep Sea Diver. The album's called Impossible Weight. The title track has Sharon Van Etten featured on it. Deep Sea Diver is a is a very small band. Um, it's an indie band. She, uh, Jessica Dobson, the lead singer and songwriter, toured for playing guitar for The Shins. She played guitar for Divine Fits, which is a Spoon and Wolf Braid side project. Uh, 
and she toured for Beck before the Shins. Hmm. So she's a known touring musician, and she's a she's a familiar face you've seen if you like these kind of bands and follow them around. This is her project. It's their third or fourth album, fourth at most. But it, it was cool because the promotion that she did for this album in the in the music gear community, um, there's a lot of YouTube channels and stuff that are based off guitar gear. So they have artists come and show their rig. They show like their setup and stuff, like what amps you're using, what guitars you're using, what pedals you're using. The promotion for this album was done through a lot of those channels. So she went on a couple of channels that I watch and follow, and it, I was like, oh, she performed the song. And I was like, okay, this is actually better than the last albums she had because they weren't albums that I really clicked with. Um, yeah, if you like bands like The Shins, if you like bands like Spoon, check out Deep Sea Diver, Impossible Wait. It's a very pleasant album to listen to. What I found particularly interesting was none of the, or not many of the indie sites even reviewed this. It flew very out, off the radar. So, yeah, if you want something that's just fun and easy and, and good indie pop to listen to, Deep Sea Diver, Impossible Wait. I have, uh, underrated, I just want to mention two albums I really enjoyed. Uh, quick Quick is uh, J. Royale, uh, the Baltimore Housing Project that I discovered later on in the year that I kind of just skipped over. And I, I, I noticed this artist was was spoken about on uh, Money Miz, who is uh, who, somebody who does a podcast, a hip-hop podcast, The Fuck You Mean, uh, from Boston, if I'm not mistaken. And he always posts pictures of different albums on his Instagram, and he posted this. And I read what he wrote about the album, and I was like, oh, I need to go listen to this. So I jumped in, and it's this is like, like that mob deep production but way less worked on the production like it sounds fuzzy and not like completely like mastered uh that that, that album really blew me away it's not in my top 10 but it's something i really enjoyed so if you want like that strict uh boom bap mob deep type uh sound mm -hmm. j royale and uh an album that i actually listened to this week that only came out in December was, uh, you're going to laugh at the name. The rapper's name is Mooch, and the album is called The Fifth Power. Fucking amazing. I don't know what to say about it. It's just so well put together from an artist like that. And his voice is so high pitch that sometimes you're like, is it too? Is his voice too much to handle? Can it be annoying? But he, like the beats that they were, were used to this, it was just perfectly put together. That's it for my underrated. Should we talk about best comebacks of the year? Or maybe not best comeback, but comeback albums. Like albums from bands you didn't expect to put something out. Albums from bands that haven't released stuff in a long time that caught you off guard, that surprised you. That, well, that, that, well good comebacks. Let's call them good comebacks. Yeah, we could start with, uh, with one. Go for it. We're going to start with Busta Rhymes. Okay. ELE 2. It was a good comeback. We anticipated him and waited how many years? Well, let's be honest. It has been a while, yeah. 2009, 10? Yeah. We were waiting for this project, and it finally dropped after 655 singles. Uh, every year posting that my album's coming out, and people saying that it was the best album of that year, but never came out till now. Uh, it was good. It, it, it it's was a, good, yeah. It's yeah. a good comeback. It didn't make many end-of-year lists. No. I he, was expecting a bit more hip-hop ones. No. 
And I could tell you because it's a good project. Yeah. But there's too many songs. It's December. What are we today? December 13th? I don't know. It's December 9th? December 9th. It's going to be the 11th when they hear this? So the guy's still putting out deluxe versions of it. Right now he's up to 29 songs, if not 30. (laughs) Okay. Like he keeps adding songs. And now there's a remix of the song with M.O.P., yeah. Sampled, but with actual MOP verses. Oh, wow. So it's like you can't put that on a list. And there's too many songs in there that don't need to be there. But it's a great comeback. Like he put out a good body of work for Busta Rhymes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. But too too long. You? I've got uh, a band that maybe a lot of people don't really, well, maybe not don't really know, but I've only heard a couple of songs from I've got the Psychedelic Furs with the album called Made of Rain. Um, the Psychedelic Furs, for people who don't know, uh, their big song was Pretty in Pink, which was used on the Pretty in Pink soundtrack in the 80s. Ooh. And Love My Way, which was another big song, and it came back around when they were also featured on Call Me By Your Name. This is their first uh, new music in 29 years. It's very good. Um it's not something I think everyone needs to run in here necessarily, but if you like uh, songs like Pretty in Pink and Love My Way, definitely hear those albums, uh, which are called uh, Talk, Talk, Talk and uh, Forever Now. Great albums. Check this out. It's it's cool. It's not um, it's not gonna it's not revolutionary, but it's a, it's it's fun to hear. So I come back. Yeah, that's it. It was a cool. It was cool to see that they got back together. They did this, and. It was bad, like for the fans, it was, it's a fan service, right? They do that for the fans or they need money. And it was good to see that it was better than, you know, what a lot of bands did for fan service and flopped with. So that would be comebacks, I guess. Yeah. What's next on the list? Agenda for this evening. What were the biggest surprises to you? What were albums you didn't expect to hear, didn't expect to get, didn't expect would be good that you put on and were like very impressed? Well, I, w- I wasn't expecting a Rock Marciano album, Mount, okay. Mount Marcy. Okay. I'm not going to spend too much time about it, but the fuck. He, he did this last year, and last year's album, the, my list was made before. Rock Marciano likes to put out his album, make you buy it for $40 on his website. It's not available to stream absolutely nowhere. So you wait, and you wait, and you wait till it becomes available to buy on iTunes or pre-order or whatnot. This 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 time around, he did it super quick, and I'll leave it at that. Anything else? Uh, that was surprising. No, not really. Everything else is just my list. Okay, I got another few. That <laughs> bag, I, I, yeah, I guess. Uh, Fleet Foxes, sure. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about that album. It uh, it released at the the like the right as autumn started on the first day of autumn. Okay. Under very short notice, it still has that Fleet Foxes overall vibe. Like they have their sound, right? Oh, you said something about this album where it's an autumn album. That's it. Yeah, it was to accompany like the yeah. autumn equinox. Or... See, I remember what you talk about. And um, it was a return to form. In many ways, it's probably their most accessible since their debut, the self-titled album. But when I put it in, in, in Biggest Surprises, it, it's more in the, in the sense like 
I didn't expect to hear Fleet Fox's album this year. Okay. When they announced Shore, I was expecting a single. And a couple of days later, we had a full new album and a very good one. Gorilla Song Machine Season 1, Strange Times. That was going to accompany their Almanac book that was coming out later this year. It turned into a full album and it... The songs individually didn't stand out to me, but hearing them together, I find really worked. And the biggest surprise in terms of I didn't expect this to be good and really was good, The Strokes, The New Abnormal. You, you know what? I'm going to add to that because I listened to The Strokes album and I was really impressed and surprised on how good it was. Like this was fucking solid. Like this was mature. Definitely, like definitely I, I was texting you saying, uh, did like I thought they they changed singer at one point, and I was like, is it somebody else singing? Is there a featuring on this? But this was a fucking well made music. This is grown man music because so, they don't sound like this. And I and I'm sorry to cut you off, but it was super well made. Like it was a fucking enjoyable album. It didn't seem because Strokes are a band that if you listen to their past work, you're like, oh, it's a Strokes album, right? Yeah, but they're also a band that unfortunately got screwed by having such a successful debut album. Oh, for sure. Because they're, they're, every album that followed up, it was like, yeah, but it's not Is This It. It's not Is This It. And Room on Fire was good, the second album, but it quickly went down, First Impressions of Earth. I wanted to include them in, in my comeback artist. But remember when Angles came out? Yeah. That was their comeback in a way. Yeah, I remember when that came out, but that was still Strokes. But the songwriting wasn't as good. Yeah, I didn't People dig were deep happy, songwriting. But the songs weren't very good. And then they did another album in 2013, Come Down Machine. So they didn't really disappear again. They stayed kind of... And now, okay, it's been seven years since they put out their last album. They had an EP in between. But it, I didn't want to call it a comeback because they didn't disband again as they did. But these guys are in their 30s. They're our age. Maybe a no, bit. they're older. They're, they're older. older? Yeah, they're older guys. When we were in high school, this came. Remember when? No, when I was finishing elementary school, is this it came out? Okay, so they're probably in their forties. Let's say, give or take. They don't dress like they're in their forties. No, but that's, absolutely that's not. Could be for another episode. But I thought it was super well put together, like the structure of the album. Also, the way the album started, it's not like to me it wasn't really strokesy type. They're, you know what I'm saying? Very important to to point out that because you're making very great points. Rick Rubin production. The bah. Okay. Hold on. You didn't tell me that today when I we were didn't texting. Tell you that. And I know you waited for the fucking episode. I did. Et voila. There you go. That's it. They Hello. have been pretty much like since they've always worked with a producer called that's Gus cool. Holberg. So now they're. That's cool. At least since their comeback. I got to talk about that with Mark because we were talking about the Strokes album today. Because when, when that came out, Mark bought it on vinyl right away. The new abnormal, yeah. Yeah. I think it came out first on vinyl because I couldn't grab a copy for myself yeah, for a and, little while. And. I, actually, The Strokes is an, is an art, a band that me and Mark used to listen together. This is this is it. The this is uh, this it, yeah. Yeah, is this is we used to listen to that in his car and yeah. the one on, after that as Room well. This, fire, that yeah. came out at the same time as Interpol and exactly, stuff like yeah. that. Interpol, another band that suffered from early success. Yeah, always being compared to their first album. Do you like Interpol? Just off topic, real quick. <laughs> I like the first two albums. Okay, I think. Uh, but like. Now I get it, the Rick Rubin, and I got to talk about that with Mark because I I don't expect Rick Rubin to make an album with The Strokes. And that's what's interesting because a lot of people say when Rick Rubin produces you, he walks <laughs> into the room and he lets you play. At least like, well, his, his recipe with Red Hot was that he walks into the room and he lets them play and play and play and play until he decides something was good. 
and then you build off that idea. Really? Yeah. Well, this was fucking well put together. That This is playable music. This is something I'll go back and listen to for sure. It's a lot of fun, and it's super short, nine songs. It's still 45 minutes, but nine songs makes it feel less long, right? No wonder. what I was like, the album, it didn't seem too long. It's not very long. So this is the type of album that when I'm with my when we're allowed to road trip and go places an album where like my wife's like can you fucking stop putting this hip-hop on and put something else on this is an album i'll go you put, put it on, on. Yeah. it's a fantastic record the artwork is great too jean-michel basquiat painting ah. heard on money very nice uh, very nice artwork did uh it suits it fits the mood of the album funnily it's not necessarily related but it fits I'm not telling you you're going to go into another one. Do you have another one to say? I'm done. I'm not going to tell you I'm not doing this because a lot of them are my top 10. So I just want to keep the the hype. You're saying the big surprises and yes. stuff? Yeah, but you, okay, fine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because you could, an artist can come out and you'll be like, oh yeah, it's great. But then there's like surprise, like, whoa. And then it makes your fucking top. Were there any good debut albums for you that you discovered? Debut albums? Or not, not, well, not that you discovered, but albums by an artist. It's their first album, and it's very good. Well, The Stove God. Okay, good. That's a Stove Maybe God. Well. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that one later a bit more. Uh, like, debut, debut? Not really. I've been, I've been going back and forth with artists uh, listening to... Actually, you know what? Surprisingly... I really enjoy now more than when it came out the the Action Bronson. That's not a debut. No, but I'm just going back because I just noticed the album and he's not in my top ten. Only for Dolphins is a really good album. Okay. It's not an eight, nine, ten, but it's a really good album. I think he did good, and he finally got off his label. So him coming out with that album and putting out a solid project is great. Again, with Bronson, it's he'll never put out the best thing ever, mm-hmm. but it's super fucking enjoyable and i'm surprised because his last one white broncos was mediocre very, yeah. but uh debut albums uh not really stove god cooks yeah that's the only one i I'm, i've I, only got one too yeah which one marty strange live forever yeah you made me listen to that one if you like uh weirdness and rock li- punk pop acoustic ballad songs hip-hop everything fucking blues jazz i told you what it sounded like to me and you told me you, give me the artist you said it sounded like tv on the radio yeah and i said and i knew you were gonna say that when mm-hmm. we were texting because it sounded like tv on the radio but there's a bit of that thrice thursday uh sound in it also and i guess it's the speed it's of the punk, music it's that punk element yeah yeah that, that post-punk that's it and I, I discovered him in a very funny way well very funny way i saw him on a lot of lists and i was like i've, se- I've seen this album cover throughout the year but it didn't call me out. I, I had read that it was indie, that was jazz and hip-hop inspired. So I was like, at some point, I'll go back to this. When I went back, it's not at all as I was expecting. I was expecting kind of like that kind of neo-soul vibe. Okay, you know, yeah. Like the, the, those kind of like those songs off Frank Ocean albums that have guitar. Mm-hmm. Those songs off like, like Steve Lacey type of shit. The Internet. So I was like, yeah, when I get there, when I'm in that mood, I'm going to go check this album out. And I put it on, it opened with this fucking, like, this weird, like, intro of just voice and drone a bit. And it fucking kicks into the first song, Mustang, which is on my playlist 
Yeah, that song. I, I that song is really fucking good. It's like I instantly thought I was listening to like a TV on the radio album. They haven't put out an album in a while. They're overdue, but I don't I don't know if they will or if, if they need to. But but it had a lot of elements in here of different fucking, fucking sounds. Like I said, pop, punk, rock, and and I'm not the type that likes when too much shit gets mixed. Hip hop with with rock, punk with blues. Like I was like, what the fuck? Like it's so, but well 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 done it's called marty strange live forever and the way i discovered him like i said he was on a lot of lists i i i saw him coming back around so i'm like yeah this was something i had to hear i want to hear it and i fucking noticed on spotify like all his eps and singles from before this album are mainly all national covers (laughs) really but the way he does those covers sonia's listening go hear them marty strange Go on his go on his Spotify. Find like the section with the EPs and singles. They're all national covers, and they all sound like he wrote that song. They don't sound fuck all like the originals. He really took those songs and owned them. That's not better, crazy. Not better than the originals, but, but uh, yeah, I get what you mean. New uh, songs. Did you mention that he does all the instruments? Yeah, he performs. A, a, he has somewhat some other musicians, but like if you check out the Boomer music video for this album, he's performing all the instruments. He's that's very, crazy. I like that. That's that's good. That he's a true artist. There's an interview with him, uh, like a quarantine. Uh, fuck, I don't know the name, but a guy was interviewing him, and he was in his house, and the whole like living room, his couch has a drum set, guitars, a bass, wires through the living room. Like, it's like he just stopped recording to do the interview. He has, like, his whole fucking setup in his house. It's, he, he, he's impressive, man. This guy could go, this guy could go far. I, I, I was impressed. And it's his first album. Yeah. I think he's got good things coming. Your biggest, well, your favorite or biggest artist of the year. Oh. One. Let's pick one. Let's not uh, give ten because you, you know me. I could go with ten. But your, your artist your biggest artist of 2020 and a quick why Phoebe Bridges why? she dominated from before she had singles that were building up the album's release the album came out it was fantastic she had night show perform uh, late night shows performances that were great unfortunately in the situation there was no tour but the the like she released merch as like a stay at home tour type of thing merch mm-hmm. for this album which is really cool um she did a lot of, like I said, the late night shows, but the performances were well. They weren't just performances of songs. They were, they were different versions of her songs and well, like done cool with the with the visual. Her music videos have been consistent. She just, I think, this quarantine and this this stay at home period. She fucking owned it. You had to sit in a room. And not really go anywhere because you weren't allowed. So you put more effort into your art. Let's say. Right. But she, I, I think like of all those stay at home runs that I've seen for, for, for albums being released and she owned it. She killed it. 2020 is her year. Yeah, she's been everywhere. I've been hearing a lot about her. I've read, uh, there was something on Pitchfork about her. It was a Pitchfork or it was... What's the other one? It's very likely. Complex or one of those other ones. I read about her and she's been everywhere and she's on a lot of lists with her albums too. She's going to be on the Kid Cudi album. I think she's one of the only Yes, that's another thing. Uh, 
by the way, stay tuned for that. Next week, we'll be doing a full Kid Cudi episode. That came out this week. That comes out today. Yeah. Right? Uh, but yeah, that's that's awesome. That's good. She's been everywhere, so it's good to to get recognition. Uh, you're done with yours? Yeah, go ahead. My artist of the year is uh, Alchemist. Oh, cool. Producer, Alchemist. Very nice. Uh, this guy's fucking produced all over the place. What's he produces here? He has produced for almost every single artist. It, for for hip hop, he's produced for fucking Conway. He's produced for West Side Gun. He's produced for fucking Boldy James. He's produced for Freddie Gibbs. He's produced for Willie the Kid. Uh, he's produced on, I think he produced on fucking Graf's album. I think he's produced on Ito's album. I think he's produced on, he's fucking produced everything. And some of the biggest hip hop albums this year, he's produced on. And I do not understand how he's done that. What was the highlight? For him? For him. His for- highlight. If somebody has to go hear something Alchemist did this year. Well, fuck the Freddie Gibbs and Alchemist because it's also nominated for a Grammy. Alfredo. Yeah. Alchemist and Freddie Gibbs, Alfredo, nominated for a Grammy. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, he's he's finally getting his flowers like he's deserved because he's been in this in producing music for fucking 20, 25 years where for big artists, Mob Deep and all that stuff. And finally, he's getting the fucking recognition. That guy is insane yeah. with the way he produces music. He, there is no one that could produce music like him. That sound that he has, and he's grown with the years. Mm-hmm. He's never really stuck to the same uh, formula. He's always done it differently. And that's true. And the crazy thing about Al- Alchemist is Ch- that Alchemist, number one, he's also been on uh, with Al- Action Bronson. Uh, F, the, that's delicious. F, that's as, delicious. As a crave, uh, you can't search. Fuck, that's yeah, delicious. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. Uh, but fuck, the guy, if you listen from one album to another, like if you listen to the Boldy James and then listen to the Freddie Gibbs and then listen to the West Side Gun, all this production on there is totally different. Mm-hmm. The guy could like do so much with his music. And I'm super happy he's nominated for a Grammy. As much as I don't like the Grammys, hopefully he wins. We'll see, but incredible artist. Go listen to the Freddie Gibbs and uh, Alchemist uh, Alfredo. We're a music podcast. What was your favorite music podcast of the year? It's between Dead and Hip Hop and the Joe Budden podcast. Okay. Uh, I listen less to the Joe Budden podcast. I listen to more of the Joe Budden podcast when I read the description and see what they're talking about. Dead in Hip Hop, I like that they review a lot of albums. It's more of a podcast of reviewing albums. What about yours? Mine also uh, coincides with my favorite live album of the year, which I didn't ask you, but I mean, well, my I wasn't one. actually going to ask you what your favorite live album of the year was, but it's a podcast called The Super High Quality Podcast, and it's the guys from The War on Drugs who are breaking down week by week the songs from their live album that I praised last week, Live Drugs. Every week, they're 20-minute episodes, and every week they talk to you about one song, what they did, which version they used from the tour. So there's like a story, I'll give an example. There's a song called Eyes to the Wind. They loved the version that they played in Copenhagen in Denmark. So they played 
they called it Copenhagen Wind, and they were going to use that for the live album. But that night, the song wasn't recorded for some reason. So they had to find a way to redo that version of the song at another show, have it taped, and put onto the live album. So it's just like a, a making of... Oh, that's cool. Their live album, which which songs they liked, why they liked those songs specifically live. They talk about the song Under the Pressure and how it's just two simple chords that build and build and build and build and there's jam sections and spacey sections and it's just like what what they get out of playing that live. It's... it's I, as they say, it's like your lives, the, the songs you bring on the road and that you play live have to be more interesting than the way they're played in studio. Mm -hmm. And the person that holds a ticket to see your show, whether it's in two weeks or four months, are anticipating your show. You have to find a way to take your set every night and make it, even if for you, you do it every day, that person that has the ticket is looking forward and will only see it once. So how do you give them the best experience, you know? Oh, that's cool. Really, really, really great stuff. And they're just being stupid and joking with each other, down-to-earth guys talking about fucking touring and playing music. It's it's cool to see, like, just how normal these guys are, you know? It's good stuff. What is your quick, quick top moment of 2020? My top moment yeah, of 2020? Yeah, I caught you off guard. Fuck it. Of all things? Yeah. Of all things. Well, no, not of all things, but like music related. Music related. Me would have had to have been Bovid, but anyways, we won't get into that conversation. Music related, Steve. Fuck you, you bought a CD. I don't know. Something fucking, I don't know. You listening to an album. You saw some, you saw a concert in January or February for sure. I saw one concert this year. Which one? It was the best concert of the year. <laughs> Probably you're never going to see a concert ever again. Destroyer touring, have we met? Oh yes, I remember you Great telling show. me that. Um, one music moment of the year. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Okay, well I guess. All right. I could tell you. Yeah, but it's super corny. Go. The one musical moment of the year was I was listening to Phoebe Bridgers on my headphones while working, and my wife was walking around the house with the kid. And she walked into the room and I took off my headphones and put it around my daughter's head and her face lit up from hearing the song. And I'll never forget it's Moon Song from Phoebe Bridges. Oh, that's cool. That's a good that's moment. It. It's not even, it wasn't even my favorite song on the album, but that made it my favorite song on the album. That's cool. You? Uh, my favorite moment of 2020 would have to have been driving to Boston with Malenko and watching Griselda front row like I was a 12-year-old kid at Toys R Us. Very good. That's it? Yeah, that's it. I just wanted to know. It's music moment. Fuck it. 2020 is almost done. Did you want to talk about that? Uh... No. I think I'm, I, I'm at peace with it. It felt good. So now I, I think it's time. Is it time? Let's do it. Top 10. Top 10. Top 10 of 2020. It is here. Our list is here. So what we're going to do is we're going to give our top 20 like we did, like we're going to do 10, 10, 9, 9, all the way to 1, 1. 1, 1, yeah. Uh, we'll also post our list uh, later on. Are we doing it after the episode? When do you want to do that? We could do it over the weekend. Yeah, we could do it over the weekend. We will also be posting a bunch of everybody that sent you us the list. Let, let's, let's post it in the stories like everyone's doing. 
Okay. Because we're doing our top 10, but I actually have a top 20. Oh, fuck. Steve, I listen to a lot more than you. No, I had a top 20. I just cut it down to 10. You could have told me you were okay, doing so that. Put your top, well, I'm well, not going to do top back. 20 here. Fuck that shit. But do top 20. Like, the episode's not out yet. No, no, time. it's fine. But what we're going to do is we're going to put up a bunch of stories with everybody's top 10s, whether it's in order or not in order, and share it with everyone. Why are you laughing? <laughs> was I laughing? Yeah, you were laughing. Like I said something fucking weird. No, but I'm I'm just saying you could you could totally just finish your top twenty nah, when we're not recording. No, I, it really it honestly, I love doing these lists, but my fucking head hurts when I'm done. Do they make you anxious? It makes me very anxious. I, I was a, starting to feel nervous and thinking like, again, what did I forget? What did yes. I? Yes. Does this does this like does this list make sense? Is it just what I'm feeling today? Is it? Anyway. So who's going first? Who wants to go first? I guess I'll go first. So, top 10 albums of 2020. That's the wrong list I pulled up. Okay. That so, was, you even have a wrong list stored. Well, I don't want to tell the, the listeners what the list was, okay. what that list was. Okay. You want me to say it? No, just go. Just, I'm always afraid when it's not something you should be. Like, I'm always afraid it's not something. It's nothing wrong. It's normal to... The, to human beings, but anyways, I won't go into it. Forget it. <laughs> Top 10 albums of 2020 at number 10. Yeah. For the first time in history of top 10 albums for myself, I have an EP. That's fine. Is it number is it number 10 only because it's an EP? Well, I fucking love this. But did you put it lower because there's less music or or that has nothing to do with it? No, that has nothing to do okay, with yeah. it. It's just I wouldn't go, do that, let's say. Going through thanks a lot. Going through what what thanks a lot? But you said you wouldn't do it. What do you, what do you mean you wouldn't do it? That if my EP You've, is if an EP is number one, it's number yeah, one. Yeah, it's yeah. Too if bad, it's number yeah. one, it's number one. Well, Untitled Unmastered, was it an EP? I don't know, but everything Kendrick puts out is number one. I can't wait till him and Westside Gun put out an album in the same year and you can't <laughs> fucking you can't handle it. Uh, <laughs> 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 that was fucking funny. Uh, at number ten, if this album, if I if I had enough money to buy it on vinyl, like I did on CD, that it still hasn't fucking come in, um, I would, and this would probably be the only vinyl I actually own, because the cover art has my favorite animal on it, which is a shark. So number ten, it is Conway the Machine and the Alchemist Lulu. Not Metallica and Lou Reed. <laughs> no. Okay. How fucking shit was that? Was that out? It was that a disappointment album or an overrated album? No disappointment album. <laughs> Fuck, that was shit, huh? Disappointment, but, I, but yeah. rest in peace, Lou Reed. Yeah, uh, big time. Rest in peace, Lou Reed. Only great. show love for Lou Reed when you come in this house. hundred percent. Only love for Lou Reed in this house. If you've never listened to Lou Reed, I have. Go listen to him. I don't know what you're gonna want to do to yourself after you listen oh, to Lou Reed. Don't even listen to Lou Reed. <laughs> listen to the Lou Reed's catalog is tough. Very. Listen tough. to the Velvet Underground, and if you have anything bad to say. Delete all your music off, off yep. iTunes because you have no idea. iTunes. People if you like iTunes. bananas, listen to if you if you if you have something bad to say about the Velvet Underground, you should have something bad to say about your whole music collection. Remember, Pascal he used to have the shirt, but it was so tight on him. The shirt, he would work in the warehouse with it. It was it was like I don't remember. Yeah, he used to have that shirt, but it was super tight. Like Funny, it was, like it was that, a youth small. I had that shirt and it was super tight. <laughs> really? Yeah. Maybe they only made the way they make tight it. shirts. Uh, so yeah, number 10, Conway the Machine and the Alchemist Lulu. Do I have to talk about it or are we just going back As you forth? want, if you want. Well, if you want to throw a couple of things in. 
to start off the year with Conway coming out with an EP and it being with my favorite producer and it delivering track by track just amazingness and having these two together on a full album is just to me it's incredible because Conway is super dark and gritty to where Alchemist does those type of beats and it being named after the drug dealer in one of my favorite movies of all time paid in full is super cool as well and for it having a shark on the cover which is my favorite animal added extra coolness Very to it cool. I waited up till midnight for this that's how much of an alchemist production fan and to, to hear the first single which is featuring schoolboy Q and not really seeing Conway being on the song with schoolboy Q and it fucking working super well <laughs> amazing this album like this EP is super well done toward the point where you hear Conway flow super fast to where he doesn't really do that on his other songs kind of like I don't want to say that trap flow but like he does it and is just fucking perfect on the song Calvin Alchemist when you guys fucking understand what I'm trying to tell you and Steven you under, you understand me I like Alchemist this guy could fucking produce for anybody honestly he could make music for any person in the world and it would fit them so much. What I like so much about Alchemist is how down to earth he is. Yes. And I love it when he argues with Action Bronson. <laughs> Remember the taco one? The taco episode where he says, was it tacos? Or what was it? Was one specific food was better in, in uh, California? And then Action Bronson said, no, it's better in New York. And then they started fighting. Oh, yes. Each... Yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember that. Was it tacos? Enchiladas? I forget. I forget. I remember the argument, but I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember what it, what it, uh, which food it was. But yes, number ten, Conway the Machine and the Alchemist Lulu. My number ten, much like uh, your album, is Jesse Ware. What's your pleasure? Ooh. So this was an album that Milenko recommended. He's probably jumping up and down when he hears this. I thought song. he was fucking with me when he said he liked this. No. Every year there's one pop album towards the end of the year that just sneaks into my top 10. It was Robin a couple years ago with Honey. This year it's What's Your Pleasure? It's like, I'm going to call it that kind of like, like soulful disco influence type music. Well, that's what he said when he, when he, did, when he told me to recommend it to you. This thing's like straight up fucking Prince inspired front to back. Oh, that's cool. The songwriting on it is the song the song structures on it and the production on it is so fucking clean. The bass on this is so good. There's not a bad song on this. Any song on this could be a single. So I purposely put a song on the playlist that I thought like had the like the best fucking groove that represents this album. I'm gonna go listen to this. Uh song's called Ooh La La that I put on the playlist. Uh What's your pleasure, man? It's it's uh, the best pop album this year. Really, best pop album this year. Jesse, where? What's your pleasure? Best yeah. pop album this year. Yeah. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna go listen to it. It's a lot of fun. I don't see how you could not find this fun. I'm gonna go. Listen I'm not to asking it. you to put this on regularly, but how you wouldn't like this album or just feel good hearing it after the fucking shit year we had. We had a shit year? Well, fucking not for music. 
No, because this album came out this year, and it's a really good one. Jesse Ware, what's your pleasure, number 10? Number nine? For you? Will be, I think, is it our, the same, num- we, we have the same number nine? No, we don't. We might have the same number. Anyways, I'm going to say We it. don't have the same number. Okay. Uh, so number nine for me is going to be Run the Jewels, Run the Jewels 4. Okay. I think I'm going to not talk about it and we can okay. have a conversation about it. Good call. Okay? Good call. But yes, Run the Jewels, Run the Jewels 4 and number nine for me. Number nine for me is Barty Strange Live Forever. Okay. Again, snuck up on me. Um, songwriting is really cool with many elements of many styles. I don't give a shit for bands that do this regularly. Stick to your style. But this guy just fucking owns what he does. Really? Well, when I say really, it's, it doesn't surprise me that you like this. You want to know why? Because you have a fucking good ear for music and good artists. Thank you. Like you, like... Sometimes you tell me, Steve, listen to this, and I want to jump out my window head first. Yeah, but that's then, higher up on the list. But then, yes, and you made me listen to it a couple, but you have a good ear for what's... Because you fucking play guitar and you you you're, you write music, so you have a good ear for peop, artists that do it, because there is artists that'll do this, and they'll sound like dog vomit in a bag, but this guy sounds actually good at it. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah. He's from Mustang, Oklahoma. That's uh, where the that's song a nice Mustang place. comes from. <laughs> it's where the song uh, Mustang comes from. I'm going to assume that's the song I put on the playlist. It 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 It's one of the it's probably the more popular song on the album. Mm-hmm. But what's cool about this album is there's not one song that represents it throughout. So if you like what you hear, go hear the album, you'll like most of it, but there's not one song that Sums up what this album does. Barty Strange, Live Forever, number nine. Number Ocho, and not Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, but number eight is going to be Rock Marciano, Mount Marcy. I spoke a bit about it last week. This was a big side swipe right to the fucking side of my face when this came out. Nice. Like, I'm, I was, I'm fucking blown away. And I'm so happy I can put him in my top 10 because last year I couldn't, like I mentioned earlier. But this fucking guy is incredible. Year after year after year, he has not ever put out a bad project. And it's crazy after nine, eight or nine albums, if I'm not mistaken, with Rock Marciano, this is top three Rock Marciano. Nice. Like this is like at some points better than a like the shit that he put out two years ago, Rosebud's Revenge and uh, Behold a, a Something Horse. It's fucking better than that. And it's crazy how late... He's a, he's an older guy. He's been doing music since back in the day with Flip Mode Squad and Buster Rhymes. Uh, and this guy's making just fucking his best music later in his career. The production, Steve, did you hear it? Or you skimmed through it? Skimmed through it. The production on here is fucking crazy. Kidding, I didn't hear it. Sorry, this is Mark Morrison. I didn't hear no, it. No, you listened to that one. The one before, the, yeah. yeah. But you, this isn't on streaming. Yeah, it is on streaming. It is now. on. Yeah, okay, so it, I got to go to been, that. It's been a week, two weeks. Okay, I didn't know. Uh, Rock Marciano, Mount Marcy, the production on this is fucking incredible. A lot, a lot, not a lot of drums, but the soulfulness, uh, 
uh, he went like super left with some songs, like super weird, like almost like like the the, the production is crunchy, uh, like fuzzy, like super like I don't know how to explain it, but like weird. Like some of the beats he's using are super weird. It's like to the point where it's like how do, how can you rap or flow over this? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like to the point where sometimes his production is better than like I'm not listening to the lyrics I'm listening to more the production and I don't always do that with hip hop because I'm more of the MC I appreciate the production but there's on this shit I'm listening to a lot more the production because I want to I can't understand what he's using like this guy spends money on samples it's yeah. it's clear yeah yeah fucking amazing you know when an album comes out and you're like fuck I wish the other albums didn't come out so I could put it at number one it happens <laughs> What is it, number eight? Number eight is Rock Marciano, Mount Marcy. And it's not Mount, M-O-U-N-T, or the Mountie, the wrestler. It's M-T dot. Okay. Well, thank you for doing that. Mount Erie are a band that kind of got popular again, and it's Mount, M-O-U-N-T. <laughs> uh, they got popular again. They, they've been around for a long time, but it's led by Phil Elverum. And they got popular again in 2017 when he put out the album called A Crow Looked At Me. That is basically a body of work dedicated to his wife and her death. Since this album came out, he's been heavy on the Mount Erie train and doing... He had an EP that followed this, which was kind of like a follow-up. And I think he had a live album. But he's also... Phil Alvarem is also a member of a band called The Microphones. They were really popular in uh, 2000s in the early 2000s specifically in 2001 they put out an album called the glow part two and that there's no glow part one (laughs) the glow part two was a cult classic indie album that it it, it's it was huge to like like the level of like neutral milk hotel type shit oh yeah the classic pavement records crooked rain or like, it had that level of importance to indie music. He had albums, he had another album in 2003, a self-titled album, but in 2020, he put out an album called Microphones in 2020. This is my number eight, Microphones in 2020. It's one song. It's a 45-minute song. That, there are physical versions of it, they're harder to get, you have to go directly to the label. But it's a 45-minute song it's a song that builds very slowly like there's no lyrics up until maybe like 10 minutes into the song and then past that point there's no changes in the song up until maybe 12 minutes and it's just an acoustic guitar strumming and as you progress throughout the song uh, electric guitars come in there's different movements maybe that happen but it's somewhat of a visual album there's a video on YouTube, which he put up. This is the way you can go hear it because it's not on Spotify or anything. And it's just him putting down or somebody putting down pictures Jesus. on a table so you can just follow. Is it pictures of his wife? There are. But it's, it's pictures that kind of sum up his, his career up to date. And when you're listening to the lyrics, he's bringing you through this. How they got popular, how they got... Like okay, where yeah, they yeah, were. Yeah. Um, like he's just bringing you up to 2020. And telling you like about the microphone success, how it started. He didn't expect the success it had. He did this, he did that. They went on tour. Touring was like never ending. 
they put out another album, never did another one. And, and it's just like he's kind of doing it in a monotone type of poem voice. So there's text on screen that you could read as you're seeing the pictures drop in front of you. The concept's really cool. And a 45-minute song, 44 minutes and 44 seconds, sounds pretentious. It sounds... I mean, it's, it's a very artsy concept. But this was the guy to do it. And I know it sounds really high to put this on, at number eight on, on your best albums of the year. It's not something I'm going to listen to even once a month, maybe. But this type of a project requires a specific artist to do it, special attention. Like it's, 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 it's a very particular thing. And he, played all, he plays all the instruments on it, too, so it's entirely him, mm-hmm. Phil Elverham. I like this type of shit once in a while. It's cool. No, that's cool. It's a cool concept. I, you blew me away because I didn't expect this. Yeah, and, 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 and he says really cool things in it, too, that kind of like... There's something he says, I don't remember the exact quote, but he talks about, like, this is the song I'm always going to be singing. Like, this is the cycle, like... Like, he kind of realizes that, like, the success that he had off the first album and, like, the, the death of his wife and becoming a father right before that. And it's, it's, it's this thing now that he's always going to be yeah, yeah. repeating. Fuck yeah, the kid Denchi died? Yeah, sure. They so that's something he talks about on the Mamiri album. Pafalsa. It's tough. It's a tough listen. It's a guy that's been through a lot. And um, if you want to hear something that... that, that uh, makes you think a bit more than just something mindless. Microphones in 2020 is my number eight. Uh, We're going to go with number seven with me. An album that came out in late February, early March, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, An album that when it came out, there was nothing else I was listening to, but this day in, day out I kept talking about it. I kept texting you about it. Uh, I remember when we had the, uh, where we stayed at home for three months because of the Bovid thing. Uh, I was asked what my favorite album right now is. And I said this one because I just, a constant listen and just, I was blown away every time. Number seven is Royce the Five Nine, The Algory. Cool. Uh, to an MC who I've loved. Since you've known me, well, not since you've known him, but since we started working together, uh, to put out an album again, like Rock Marciano, later on in his career, and for this one to be his best album he's ever fucking done, to me is beyond incredible. You know, he's rapped alongside Eminem, he was in Slaughterhouse, but this album was a talking about issues in the world really digging deep into like just problems, uh, bringing up your kids, uh, money issues, uh, talking about just like anything with like wrong with society and stuff like that. And just living in America. Well, the, the fucking, the fucking album cover is a, is an American dollar. Yeah. And half burnt off. So just basically going around, so many issues and for it kind of not being relevant but being very relevant throughout the the course of the year it's like he 
like you anticipated this was going to happen? Or has it really been happening before this and now it's more in in your face because of Instagram, because of Twitter, because of social media? Uh, super important songs on the album. By the way, there's incredible featurings. Benny the Butcher, West Side Gun, uh, King Crooked, uh, Vince Staples is on this. Uh, songs that are super important that people should li listen to. Uh, Black Savage, Rhinestone Durag, Fubu, Overcomer, Generation is Broken, and I Play Forever. Those are top songs that people should go listen to. It's amazing how this guy has a song on it at number th number three on the on the on the list called "I Don't Age," where he just goes ballistic in rapping and saying that how relevant he is but people aren't looking for his type of hip-hop, but that he could rap like the other people could rap. And now he is going to be relevant throughout his whole career, where to the rappers that are rapping now that don't really... Step out of their... The, exactly. Element, yeah. That won't be relevant soon. Nice. But yeah, this album is amazing. And there's so many hidden messages in here and just the... the, the what's it called? The uh, interludes... And the skits on here are super important that make this album complete. And the most important thing is he produced the whole album. Number eight, seven, Royce to five, nine, the allegory. allegory. Number seven for me is an artist that goes by the name of Eve Toomer from Miami, Florida, but based in Turin, Italia. Really? Um, he's Italian? No. Um, we're in Italy. Well, he's based in Turin. In Turin. Okay. But um, this album is called Heaven to a Tortured Mind. The opening track to this album, Gospel for a New Country, is the opening track to the all-time music best of everything else playlist. Fucking weird dude, man. This guy... Will touch on like massive attack sounds. You get that kind of TV on the radio vibe again sometimes. Sometimes you feel like you're listening to Ariel Pink with big drums and bass. I don't even know how to describe this album. This is the second album that I've been interested in him. He's got other stuff too, but Safe in the Hands of Love in 2018 made my top 10. Now Heaven to a Tortured Mind makes my top 10. He's not an artist you hear much about in between albums, but so far he's consistent. Um, it, it, it's a really hard album to talk about. you got to go hear this album. If you want something weird, if things like Massive Attack, TV on the radio. Ooh, Massive Attack. If that type of shit, like if, if you want that kind of weird, like things with like big drums and... Down tempo-ish? But it's not. Okay. It's it has like a massive attack grime. The drums remind me of massive attack. The the atmosphere. But it's very much its own thing. It's 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 nice. It's cool. It's different. Mm -hmm. Nobody would do this. Nobody could nobody else can make this album. It's weird. So heaven to a tortured mind, Eve Tumor at number seven. Number six for me is going to be Freddie Gibbs and Alchemist for a second time on my list. Alchemist, I repeat, Alchemist, Alfredo. 
and number six. Freddie Gibbs and Alchemist, Alfredo. These two guys having a fucking album together. It, it's cool to see Freddie Gibbs rap the way he does. Because when, when he's with Mad Lib, he does a certain thing. Like fucking Pinata and um, what's the other one called? Uh, there's another one with Mad Lib. I can't remember the fucking name for the last Bandana. Life, Bandana. He, it, it, they have their chemistry. But these two together's chemistry is fucking incredible. Featurings from uh, Benny the Butcher. The song with Rick Ross is amazing. Yeah. But the album doesn't... The way you think of these two would be together is not what you're hearing as an album. The, the beats are more down. They're more like laid back type They're very beats. very laid back, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's more like relaxing, driving. It's a nice background album. Right? But and then, that's its strength, I think. Yes, but then there's the songs on it, like the one with Benny the Butcher, where the fucking song is just in your face. Songs like uh, Frank Lucas, songs like fucking Baby Shit are just a big punch to your face. Mm. These two have worked together before in the past, but with currency on Fetty. Yep. And hearing them make an album like this and then coming back in 2020 and having this type of body of work is just amazing. Freddie Gibbs, I've said this to you. I don't remember if it was on the show or, or in text. It was on our live. We might have said it. Continue. Well, when when this album came out and we had uh, we had we had spoken about it, I wasn't into it. Mm-hmm. It made number fourteen on my list. Oh, cool. So it, it's definitely something that I just spoke too soon on. My bad. This this thing about Freddie Gibbs, he works best when his whole album is one producer mm-hmm. I find he's done it with Madlib now with this besides Babyface Killer yeah that's the only exception but if somebody were to tell me like if you look at at, at his his three studio albums which were what Shadow of a Doubt Shadow of a Doubt and the Jesus one there uh, You Only Live Twice and the pink cover Freddie Freddy. that one's fucking good though. but could we be honest Yes, yes, Bandana, yes. Pinata. Yes, because he, he has that chemistry with them. They make the beat for him, but he uses them to their strength. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he uses them to their strength and he did that with Alchemist. But when you expect an Alchemist, Freddie Gibbs, you expect hard-hitting beats. They didn't have that many of this on here. I expected it, more Mob Deep type of shit. My yeah. Mob Deep type of Alchemist. Right? It was, this was, a, this, and maybe that's, what you just said is what put me off at the beginning, because mm-hmm. I was quickly, I was quickly, you know, you know that because I bought it U.S. dollars through their website to own this. Yes, how's that corner released. though? Fuck. Uh, but this was yeah, and fuck, I bought it the first day. But this was super well put together. Freddie Gibbs and Alchemist Alfredo at number six. Number six for me is Fleet Foxes Shore. Again, surprise release or very short notice release. All they announced was Shore <laughs> in a few days and we got a full length record. Was expecting a single. It sounds a lot like their debut album. So a kind of a, I don't want to say full circle, but a, a return to form, so to speak. But still has a lot of those kind of, fuck, I don't I hate saying that, but folkish elements that are found on Helplessness Blues on the crack up. But a very accessible album by them. Pleasant surprise. Wasn't expecting to hear this this year. I spoke. I spoke plenty of it. 
So number six, Fleet Foxes Shore for me. Fuck you're an asshole. You can't just make me enjoy my year. I'm having a bad year. With all this Griselda, you can't be having a bad year. number five, Boldy James and the Alchemist for a third time on my list. The Price of Tea in China. Unlike the project at number six with Freddie Gibbs, this was hard-hitting beats. But the way it was put together was, it wasn't too much at the same time. Like, he had beats like he did on Alfredo, but the way he put it on the album was more scattered. So like the album starts off super laid back with the first song and then with the second song giant slide is more of a hit in your face then you have the, the low pace beat then you have in the middle of the chunk very eerie type beats but he made this again like he did for freddie gibbs and conway super boldy james sounding super grimy super eerie he made boldy james shine on this i don't think it would have if if Boldy James came out with this album with a different producer or a bunch of different producers, it wouldn't have sounded as almost perfect as it sounded with Alchemist. Uh, one of the uh, the biggest surprise featureings on this for me was Evidence. Evidence who's part of Dilated Peoples. Uh, Evidence who's a producer. Evidence who has worked with Alchemist before as Step Brothers. That song was just fucking crazy to me. I did not expect him to come into the song, but he came in and it was just perfect sounding. Boldy James is a very drug-talking rap, whereas Evidence is very boom-bap, uh, very, uh, like, hip-hop. Like, he's, he's from California. He's, he's talking, he, he, he talks about life. He talks about growing up in California. He talks about, you know, that old-school type sound. Being with here on Boldy James was just fucking incredible. Boldy James... And the Alchemist, the price of tea in China. Go listen to that. That shit is mind blowing, and eerie at the same time. Cause fucking Boldy James is from Detroit, and it just like you hear in his voice that this guy is just—it's almost what he's saying is almost awkward. There's a song on it called "Running," where he's talking about running from the cops, and it in before the song, I think, or after the song. There's a no, actually before the song. There's a news, an anchor lady talking about the situation. Mm -hmm. Super great. Alchemist, Boldy James, Presity in China, number five. Your turn. Dun, dun, dun. Number five for me. Hame, Women in Music, part three. I mean, it's, this, is, this is still pop, so is this the best pop, rock, pop album? I mean, I still find it has a very rock element, pop rock. So, I mean, Jesse Ware to me is like full out pop. Like to radio this. pop should be on the radio, should be getting more attention by top 40. Whereas Haim, I kind of understand, has a very rock element that's not... It's still very pop, but it's not full on pop, right? You get what I'm saying? <laughs> All tracks are produced by Daniel Haim, Rostam from Vampire Weekend, and uh, Ariel Rekscheid, who's worked with 
Vampire Weekend as well. Ma- Madonna, Charlie XCX, uh, Adele, Usher, fucking Kesha, Solange, a bunch of people. Um, it was very interesting, this album, because the first three singles, Summer Girl, Now I'm In It, and Hallelujah, came out in 2019. When this album came out in June, there had been another three singles. The Steps, I Know Alone, Don't Wanna. I rarely, rarely do this. You know this. But what do I say about bonus tracks? You fucking, you don't count them, number one. So, yeah, that's it. And number two, they, you really don't pay attention to them. Yeah. So, Summer Girl, Now a Minute, and Hallelujah, the first three singles for this album were scrapped for the album and included as bonus tracks. Still some of the best songs on this record. That's cool. It's one of the rare albums that I'll say the bonus tracks make it an even better album. But tracks 1 to 13 are the album. The way I usually break albums down, so I got to do it the same way here. There's not a bad track on this. Not a bad song on this. It's Haim at their best. They're... They're stepping out of the box with their songwriting. You mentioned Lou Reed. The bonus track, Summer Girl, has Walk on the Wild Side sounds. It, 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 it doesn't sample it, but it's written based on that song. So he's credited as a writer on that song. Even like you listen to that song, and you're like, okay, it's Walk on the Wild Side, but it's not at all. Like it's not a sample, it's not nothing. He's just credited for being like an inspiration. An inspiration. It, it's a copy. It's a, it's their version of it, let's say. That's cool, though. Yeah. Hey, Women in Music Part 3. Uh, if you didn't hear it yet, get a move on. This would have been an album I would have loved to see them tour live. Yeah, this is a fucking great album. Hey, Women in Music Part 3. It's nominated at the Grammys, too. Probably won't win, but if it does, I'd be very happy. Number four for me is going to be Stove God Cooks, Reasonable Drought. My, one of my most surprising albums. Uh, if I had a top five best artist of the year, he would be in it as well. Because this guy has been featuring on a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of stuff. Uh, West Side Gun stuff, uh, the Rock Marciano album. Uh, it just brings a different light to hip hop that, that I like a lot. And that kind of is not weird, but he... It's like you don't really hear this in hip hop. What he what he did, uh, just like with the first song, Rolls Rolls Royce Brake Lights, where the song starts off with him singing. Like the song starts and the beat and him is just singing, to where he once he's done singing, it's into like a awkward rapping, and you don't know where the album is going to take you, like at all. So you're like, am I going to stick around for it? But it gets, it becomes so catchy and so well put together on like drumless production that you kind of don't know what to expect. Before I said that there's drums, very little drums on here to almost none at all. Uh, Rock Marciano's production, again, soulful, uh, super like, like he, where he's using lose, uh, using horns, different instruments, uh, songs like "Break the Pyrex" where he's singing about fucking heating the Pyrex till it breaks. Uh, 
Muddy Puddles, Cocaine Cologne, all these songs where he has this raspy voice and you're listening to him and you're just, it's captivating of what he's doing to where nothing else sounds like this. Fucking like it, 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 I used to go back and listen to it and be like, this is like, am I really listening to something this good? Like I loved what he was doing on here. The singing, rapping, like you heard a bit of it, I think. Yeah. The guy singing is almost awkward. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, but it's done so fucking well that it drags you into his music. And what he's saying on it too is almost, it's kind of like, like he's gloating and he thinks he's the shit and that he's the, like, he's the best at what he does. And it, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I enjoy it so much. Like if I didn't have the other three, this would be my number one, 110%. Like this is fucking like so happy I press play and just by looking at the cover and just by seeing Rock Marciano production. That's number four, Stove God Cooks, Reasonable Drought. Punchlines were fucking insane on that shit insane punchlines sorry i had to add that number four for me probably your favorite was perfume genius set my heart on fire immediately punchlines <laughs> were insane um this yeah <laughs> the the main inspirations to this album that were cited to this album are Towns Van Zandt, Enya, and Cocteau Twins. That pretty much sums up. This is another, like, it's, it's, a lot of people would describe this as art rock. It's really what it is. I mean, it's, it's pretentious, it's artsy, it's moody, but it's good. The songs are good on it. The opening whole life is like a kind of a stretched out slow ballad that, leads you into the rest of the album second track describe which i put on our playlist is it has these kind of dirty guitars kind of sliding up and down like in, in up and down the neck making these kind of it just feels like a dirty song <laughs> it's not like it's not like it just it has this kind of dark dirty vibe to it and like the song's full of like ballads as much as it's full of happier sounding songs like on the floor again not much to say about this album either it's it's just a good artsy album you're allowed to like artsy albums it's you don't we don't have to explain the fucking full album no check it out if you if you if you like uh, if you like shit like i don't know fucking the things i mentioned cocktail twins if you like shoegazy things if you like i think this is the one where i was thrown off by the one that you made me listen to it's weird and it wasn't for me. But you it, could it, give this to somebody that likes Arcade Fire, to somebody that likes Radiohead, to somebody that likes fucking, you know, uh, I don't know, what's something that's really boring and hard to listen to. Fuck. This, the, this thing is, is as difficult as it could be to get through. I described this to Cousin Mark as, is, as, as um, I don't remember exactly how I said it, but I'm a big fan of Grizzly Bear. Yes, they are. They kind of disappeared. This to me is the replacement for Grizzly Bear. This is where I'm getting that kind of great, that, that Grizzly Bear-esque. 
music I li- from. I liked Grizzly Bear though. Grizzly Bear were great, but this has that kind of like if if you're if you're missing Grizzly Bear in your life, Perfume Genius. And the production is great. Blake Mills, great songwriter who produced the whole thing. So, you know what's crazy about some of these albums that we like? They're so great that we don't know how to express them. You feel me? Like sometimes I don't know like how to express an album that I really enjoy, but just to me, it's fucking good. To me, that's it. Sometimes it's just it's great. It's a good like it, not everything needs an explanation. It's fun to say why you like it or why, but something like this is that's the reason why. To be honest, there's no there's no good Grizzly Bear anymore. So this is what I like. So this is where I get that fix. This is where I get that kind of baroque, rock sound, pop, indie, whatever the fuck you want to call this. It's weird. It's If you liked Grizzly Bear, you'll see similarities in here. And because I like them very much and they haven't been putting out good stuff, they do it for me now. Perfume Genius, set your heart, set my heart on fire immediately. Number four. Number three. Uh... I had to do a three, two, one. This is was super hard for me. They would all be number one. There almost wasn't an episode, poor guy. <laughs> I almost didn't make the episode. I told you I wasn't going to come. I was going to have to talk about Perfume Genius for a fucking hour and a half. Because you couldn't decide. So, my number three is going to be Conway. You're still not sure. No, no, I'm you sure. You take another minute? No, I'm sure. <laughs> Conway the Machine from King to a God. Okay. How do you feel? You want to fucking know how I feel? Yeah. You ready? Uh-huh. I spent $160 on a CD. That's how I fucking feel. Does your wife listen to this? Uh, no, but she saw the box when it came to the house. And for some odd reason, they like to put the price that you pay on the front of the box. No. Yes. So she texted me and told me, what the fuck? You paid a hundred bucks for this? I'm like, yeah, Canadian. But it was actually $160 Canadian. So if you know my wife, don't text her and snitch on me. But I paid $160 for this CD. It's special edition. It comes with the fucking handwritten lyrics, uh, a reflective album cover. Uh, but it's an actual, like, remember when we used to go buy CDs and there was a booklet? Yeah. Instead of just a slip in it, it's an actual CD you go buy. Like, Can you claim it on your taxes? Fuck. Uh, hopefully when I die, well, look, I'll put in, I'll tell you and I'll put in my will when I die, put this album in the coffin with me. If they burn me alive. Sell it. No, burn it with me. Wow. Or actually just put it near the urn. No? That's so, this is like, this is absurd. <laughs> To me, this would be like, sell it for what it's worth, and give it to give it give that value. Give like put it to if give it, it gains okay. value, give it to my kids, and I'll burn it with me. Burn one hundred and sixty dollars US with me. It's the most I spent on a CD ever. So, I've spoken about Conway before on this uh, this wonderful podcast that we have. Oh together. yes, you have. <laughs> so I'm not gonna spend too much time on it. This guy came out with a impeccable body of work. Impeccable. This is wow. Impeccable. This is a 10 on 10. Well, yeah, fuck. Hey, you weren't, I made you listen to it. You weren't in the mood for it. That's fine. But I did say something and I'll say it after. If no, but want I to. want you to say it now because it'll bring me into my next thing of me saying about this album. 
it's the of all the three, it's the most accessible, is what you said. Yeah, yeah. And for Conway, who makes grimy music, makes very dark music, angry music, for him to put out an album like this, where there's variety on it, where he tapped in different producers, where he did different beats, it's kind of like a debut, but not really where he just stepped out more out of the box and played a lot more with the sounds. Uh, like I've mentioned before, Dej Loaf on the second song, she's a R&B slash female rapper, but he used her in a way that fit his album. Uh, there's a lot of different songs. There's like, like an album where you have club joints, like an album where you have street songs like an album where you have gritty rap like an album where you have a single he has all of this on here club the best would probably be the song that he has with armani caesar that's kind of like the trap type song like that that style beat the song with freddie gibbs uh did you hear that song or yeah that's one of the best songs on the fucking album uh, uh every only seen everything but God. Amazing song where he's singing on the song. Like there's a lot of variety on the album and, and I and I love it so much that he did different. And hey, he put out an album with Alchemist that's super grimy and dirty. He put out an album with Big Ghost, which is super dark and dirty, to where he gave you an album that's super accessible to where he's doing different things. And that's yeah. what you love about artists is when they do different things. Is it different to where he like what Kendrick Lamar type does or like other artists like Outkast? Absolutely not. But he's given you more. He's given you more of him, more of the music. Yeah. So number three, Conway La Machina from King to a God. Number three for me is Around the Jewels 4. Nice. Let's have that conversation. Run the Jewels 4 came out, uh, was it supposed to come out? I, for, I forget. It came out like around the period where like, where we were thinking of reviewing it. But then it came the girl out, was uh, born, so we were like, we it can't do it. Like it, it, that, that, that period was very blurry to me, so remind, well, well blurry. I wasn't thinking about We this. did the live. It came out the yeah. week after. Yeah. Uh, your beautiful girl was born. Thank you. Uh, and then we just forgot about it. But it was a very awkward-ish time going on. Yeah. But it Confusing came, time. Very yeah, weird. It came out, but it came out at the perfect time. Because it put a stamp in what was going on. Yeah. And to have two guys like this put out great quality of music before. and I called it a very confusing time. And, it, and I mean, for me personally, I don't mean in, uh, in terms of like... Well, we were, everything was all over the place. It was. You know what I'm saying? I, I find that was particularly the most confusing time of the year for me because you're having a kid and you're seeing what's going on. And In the world, yeah, for sure. Like, wow, okay. Well, yeah. So, but like it, it made sense for this to come out. Basically, what this album is, is like a punk album coming out against the government. A punk album coming out yeah. to... It's a big fuck you. Exactly. It was a soundtrack to what was going on. Exactly. Uh, Killer Mike is fucking phenomenal on this. Yes. Lyrically, uh, fucking 
like just his voice on there, he sounds angry. He sounds frustrated. He sounds like he like he didn't he do um, he did a conference with Ti. Yeah. Around what was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like he was in the limelight. He was in the front. He, he was on the front lines. He needed for this like album usual. to come out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the album was scheduled to come out on June 5th, and due to the ongoing protests, um, they bumped it forward. Oh, they bumped it they forward. They bumped it to the third. They bumped it two days early and gave it for free. Yeah. I f- Let's be honest with each other. Well, they, which they always generally do, right? Since Run the Jewels has come out, they've always given you their album for free on their website as being part of their mailing list. And they've said it, in, but in the past, they do not give a fuck. They, they're not here to make... They, Number one. Why not, man? People eat it up. People still enjoy it. They still make a living out of it. So hey, we buy. We always download it for free. Then buy the album. Always. Yeah, yeah, we do. I'm sure many people want to own this on record too when it comes out. I would love merch. They're always pumping out new merch. They always go on tour when they can. Yeah, you make your money off merch and tour. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen anymore. But I would have loved to see these guys live for this album. For this album? Well, let's talk about the track list. Yankee yep. and the Brave, episode four, opens the album. Ooh La La, the following track featuring Greg Nice and DJ Premier. Let's let's be honest with each other. Ooh La La is stepped Fucking out of their box. That's nuts. That was that was released with Ozark, right? Yeah. This was, uh, they stepped out of their box for this. Out of Sight featuring 2 Chains. Can I say something though? Yeah. Run the Jewels to me is... And for sure for you as well, because we've listened to these artists before they became Run the Jewels. So I cherish them very close uh-huh. to the point where it's like, when they became big, I'm just like, ah, oh, fuck, all these people are going to listen to them for the wrong reasons. No, I don't give a shit for that. But I'm super happy to... You can't say that, man. You listen to Kendrick, you can't say that. No, no, but you have to, I've been listening to LP since fucking 2006. Yeah, but he he's made, he's he got his break now. But what I'm saying is to the point where I kind of sometimes be like, fuck, they're that big, but good for them. That's what I'm trying to get at. Good for, for them. Sure, I fucking I fucking picked up an LP album because I saw the Mars Volta on it when it came out. I'll sleep when you're dead. I'm not I'm not trying to. It's not a competition of who listened to him first. No, but that's a real bullshit way to see music. If you ask me, is who listened to it first? But. What the thing that gets and I, and I don't care about going about this on the, on the podcast. The people that listen to Run the Jewels, I would like for you all to go listen to their earlier work as solo artists yeah. to really understand who these artists are and to from where they're coming from. Because Killer Mike has always been talking about the stuff he's been talking about on this album, and LP has always been that obscure, uh, oddball, oddball doesn't really fit in but fits in is to new york but not really a rapper like and the production like this sound has been there's always been a very electronic sound to but this stems from lp's way earlier work from fantastic damage to all All the the, production on this is fucking nuts too this is a step up again for him and and it's crazy because this guy has been making this type of sound like for cannibal ox uh cold vein which is a yeah. Honestly, go, if you go listen to the album, you're gonna be like, Jesus Christ! You're talking about weird, spacey, 
uh, what's that movie? Uh, uh, Kevin Spacey. We don't talk about. <laughs> we don't talk about him. No, <laughs> that fucking movie, uh, Blade Runner type mm. shit from like early two thousands, and it and he's bringing it to now where it's super like people are recognizing it, and I'm I'm of all both of them, I'm super happy that LP is getting the recognition he does. Yeah, because I remember that guy from when he was underground New York fucking weird white rapper that makes weird fucking depressing music. You can continue with this track list. Thanks. <laughs> track three, Out of Sight, featuring 2 Chains. You do that a lot. Great track. Again, 2 Chains, they want to go get somebody who's not usually... I mean, they have... They, they have a, they're very selective with their collaborators and you could get something like on our Run the Jewels 2 you get a Travis Barker, Run the Jewels 3, Tunde, the lead singer from TV on the radio, is on that. They're very, they branch out. Mm-hmm. And it always fucking works. 2 mm-hmm. Chain sounds great on this. Holy Kalama Fuck, track number four with that crazy beat, like switch in the middle. Fucking insane, that song. Maybe their best song. Maybe their best song ever. Yep. Goonies versus E.T. Fucking great. Holy Kalama Fuck actually produced by Dave Sitek of TV on the Radio as mm. well. So this is becoming a TV on the Radio episode. Goonies vs. ZT, crazy song again. More of a lo-fi beat. Do I say production? Huh? Production. Uh, LP, LP the whole way the whole way through pretty much. Walking in the Snow. I love that song. Yeah. That middle part of the album is really good. Just with the Pharrell and Zach Roca. How crazy is that? Crazy song. Crazy, crazy song. Pharrell again. Talking about issues. Talking about what is going on. Never look back. And they and they and they recorded this before. The ground below. Well, they're ongoing issues. The ground below. Samples Gang of Four's Ether. Not Nas's Ether. No, no, way better than Nas's Ether. If you ask me, Gang of Four's Entertainment is one of my favorite albums ever. I was talking about it with my cousin Dave this week. The ground below samples this song though. This was a fucking shock to me. Number 10, Pulling the Pin featuring Mavis Staples and Josh Homme. Again, they're selective. They step out of their brand. They step out of their... They go get fucking artists and they make it work together. But go look at what LP did on I'll Sleep When You're Dead. That guy's always been fucking doing such incredible music. And he fucking steps out of the box again. And to have Killer Mike on that... just to me, the Run the Jewel sound is just, it's crazy to hear. And number 11, a few words for the Firing Squad, Radiation has production and uh, songwriting from Matt Sweeney, another great guitar player, musician. I'd like to be a fly on the wall when they make these records. Where do you put this in your Run the Jewels ranking? Number two. Okay, cool. You? I mean, it could be number one. It could be number one, yeah. It's up there with number two for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. I would probably go right now, I'd probably go four, two, one, three. I would probably go two, four, three, one. You like three, huh? Yeah, I really like three. I didn't click with three as much. It's also like the the sound, the featurings, the length of the album. I found it a bit long. 
See, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted more from Run the Jewels. Okay. To where it gave me more. This one. Brown was on that Tunday, yeah. like I said, from uh, TV on the radio. Trina Boots, Kamasi Washington was on that too. Huh. Great music. My number three, Run the Jewels four. Number two. That's why you were delaying it because you didn't want to fuck. You didn't know who to put. For what? You still haven't decided who your number two is. No, my number two, I know for sure. I know my number one is. I told you, I texted you it. it I'm not changing it. Number two is going to be Benny the Butcher, completely produced by Hip Boy, Burden of Proof. Cool. But yeah, that's number two. And I got to explain why. It's just to see Benny the Butcher with a different style of production. Uh, to where the guy makes super underground hip-hop sounding music, grimy music. Uh, you know what? Authentic hip-hop. That's what I love. And that's why Benny the Butcher is one of my favorites out of all three of them. Uh, to be with a producer like Hip Boy, who's known for working with Big Sean. He worked with Nas this year, which was stepped out of his box. Uh, he's worked with all those those th- those artists that you would you know who they are. They're big artists. The they're your average artist. He's produced for Kanye before. He's produced on Nipsey Hussle. He's produced many big artists to where you get a guy that's coming up from Buffalo that's. Authentic hip hop, but no, not being paid attention to as much as a bunch of artists, steps into a different sound and produces an album for him. It doesn't sound completely Benny the Butcher sound, but he tapped into him, and Benny tapped into the Hip Boy sound, and it mixed super well. This feel gives you like a 1999, 2000s till 2005 feel of hip hop which is what I love. It, it kind of gives you that Rock La Familia uh, volume three Jay-Z sound. You're not wrong about that, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that Just Blaze type production. Yeah. That early Alchemist production. So kind of like when you're getting a bigger producer that doesn't make you change drastically your sound, but makes it fit with who you are is amazing. It, 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 look, if you get, if you gave this to Steven and said, Hey Steven, hip boy and Benny are going to make an album and you put it on paper. You're I'm scratching my head. I'm, I'm this is not the Griselda sound. Why hip boy? Why are you going to go with hip boy? And the featuring is little Wayne who fucking killed it. Big Sean, who had to step his game up and actually rap, where to the point it's like, oh, fuck, I'm on a song with Benny the Butcher and Lil Wayne. Uh, I can't do the annoying voice that I have. I need to rap. Dom Kennedy on a, on a hook. Uh, Griselda, obviously. It was just Rick Ross. Yeah. A fucking crazy song. I didn't, do those, I didn't think those two would match together, but Benny the... Uh, but Hip Boy made an album that fit Benny the Butcher and gave him a sound. This is what happens when two guys are in the studio together 
And it's not like, here's 10 beats. Can you rap over them, please? Uh, they really don't fit me, but I'll make it work. No, it's this, the vibe of them two being together made this album what it is. And it's fucking amazing. I know you weren't a big fan of it. No, I didn't love it. But that's fine. Because you yes. didn't love my number three. But uh, number, two. number two, Benny the Butcher, uh, fully produced by Hip Boy, Burden of Proof. And the first song is just fucking incredible. Bye. Number two for me is a double album. Double album? Moses Sumney Gray. It's his second studio album. Follows up uh, Aromanticism in 2017, which is a very short, to the point body of work. This one's more of a concept. It's got a lot going on. It's a double album, but it's just over 60 minutes, 65 minutes. How many songs on each album? So disc one has 12, lasts 38 minutes. And disc two, or part two rather, because it's part one and part two. Part two has um, eight songs. I blanked out there. I couldn't say them. Eight songs, which lasts just under half an hour. So the time hmm. length... Like there's a ten minute difference from track one to from from part one to part two. I haven't quite got the concept of the album and why it's broken up this way or whatever, but musically, the flow throughout this album it's not a song it's not an album that has necessarily songs that stand out on their own. There are great songs, Polly cut me, me in twenty years, which is the song I put on the on the playlist. But it's more of an album you go through, in a full listen. It doesn't do as well on its own. Scattered. The writing credits here, a lot of things by uh, by um, Thundercat playing bass on a lot of the album. Oh, wow. Uh, 10 Tricks Point Never, there's a lot of the synthesizers. Plays some bass, there's drum programming. James Blake did some synths and drum programming. Mac DeMarco did some engineering. Matthew Otto from um, Formerly of Magical Clouds did some engineering. And... and played on on the album as well um another one of those albums that i can't really explain can't really explain it's another one of those artsy ones that i just kind of enjoy the the body of work as it is uh it's really worth checking out and it didn't get onto many end of year lists yeah i was gonna ask you it's of course on the pitchfork which i was pretty disappointed because a lot of my top 10 ended up on it but ended up on pitchforks as well do you work for Pitchfork? Not not in my knowledge yet, or for now. You could probably write some really good stuff for them. I'm not interested in writing those types of reviews. But you will for me. I'm, no, I would never be able to write a review on this album because it's not it's not something I could put in words. No, but you know what's crazy about our, this, our conversation we're having tonight? Is, is what? We would never, never be, I would never be able to put this in, a wor- in words. I'm going to wrap it up and say number two, Moses Sumney Gray. Double album. Very good. Check it out. My number one. Uh, my number one album of 2020 is going to be West Side Gun. Pray for Paris. Okay. Are you surprised by that? No. Excellent. <laughs> I gotta explain why again. Unless you don't want to, you no. did it for for the last ten episodes. Yeah, that's why. Because I did it for the last ten episodes. Uh, West Side Gun, Pray for Paris, number one. Because I wasn't expecting this from him, 
I wasn't expecting such a fuck. How do I explain this? If you listen to West Side Gun, you get very like it's fucking yeah. You're gonna say it. I'm calling you out on something. What? Biggest disappointments of the year. You didn't talk about the sunshine one. Because it wasn't a disappointment. It's the least good of what he came out with this year. And going back to listen to it, is I, 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 I noticed things. What, you're going to call me bias? Yeah. <laughs> it's not a disappointment. That's fine. Hey. It's not a disappointment. He kept, he, what he did was he stuck to his, what he's comfortable in, his, with his, his formula. He stuck to his formula. If he did one thing wrong, is he probably shot his, himself in the foot where he stuck to his formula too much. But he, it wasn't a disappointment. It was, what can you expect more? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. To where, pray for Paris, he didn't stick to his formula. If you're listening to West really, Side... you wouldn't say? No, absolutely not. Because when you listen to his albums... You listen to a lot of, not repetitiveness, but a lot of the, this is West, you know what West Side Gun is. You know what she's going to give you as a sound. Uh -huh. You'll be blown away in different songs, different featurings, uh, different producers. But what he did here was, it was more of a crisper sound. It was more elegant. His, his beats weren't as dark, weren't as uh, low type beats you know like that grimy and that fucking eerie type beat he gave yeah. you more of that elegance that more high pitch type beat uh i found that where i place this in my favorite west side gun albums it's all it's it could be right after fly god because he did something super different to where he tapped into paris do you know what i mean when you go to Paris, you know Fashion Week, the Eiffel Tower, speaking French, elegance. Man, they're a bit, I didn't love. I, anyway. But it shows in the music that he. Yeah, made. though, the, there's the the the, the um, It's a representation of what most people think Paris is. Exactly, it speaks for itself. The name of the album, yes, pray for Paris, but just the way the album was made and it was put together. You have featurings by Wale. Did you ever think you would hear West Side Gun and Wale? No, but I'm not surprised. They're actually really good friends dude, because of wrestling. Okay. They go, they've gone to wrestling events together. They speak a lot about wrestling. Um, Joey Badass on the album. Yeah. Tyler, the creator. Yeah. Tyler, the creator, who also produced a song on the album. Yeah. Uh, Party with Pop Smoke. Uh, hearing uh, a song with actually called uh, Sean versus Flair, fully produced by DJ Premier. That song he actually recorded while he had COVID. Who? West Side Gun. Uh, I don't know, just fucking the way the album is put together. It just, it, actually, when you said albums that got you through 2020, during this being at home for three months, that album got me through everything. That's the album I would put on every morning. That's the album that I would start my day with along with the Royce album. But this album is just so clean. It's so well made. It's just, there's so much more behind it too of how it was produced. Songs like George Bondo, 
uh, songs Allah sent me, the authentic hip-hop of, you know when rappers go back and forth with each other? But doing it with three rappers. Back and forth with Benny, back and forth with Conway on the same song. The, the last song that I cannot pronounce for the life of me, where he actually got somebody who tap dance, to tap dance in the boot over the beat. But it's just, it's cool. It's fucking great. Nobody's doing shit like that. I just love the way you put this album together. Uh-huh. And that's why it's my number one. And it's a 10 on 10. And I also bought the hoodie. And I have a second hoodie of it. But yeah, West Side Gun, Pray for Paris. My album of the year is Phoebe Bridger's Punisher. Not a surprise to you. I know I didn't know who it was, but now I now that you saying it was like, oh yeah, he didn't have that in his ten yet. Yeah, so as I said, uh, pretty much the whole rollout for this album, the lead single "Garden Song." I, I was very, I I liked the first album uh, a lot, "Stranger in the Alps," and I really love "Boy Genius," the EP she made with Lucy Dacus, Julian Baker. But I was excited particularly for the follow up. Her first album, which was very good, but not, it showed that she was like getting ready to do. Better things. So when Garden Song came out, the first delete single, I was very quickly impressed. Kyoto's second single, more upbeat. I was ready to, like, and it touched on, it touches on her relationship with Ryan Adams that felt that he was uh, abusive in. So it kind of, she's a tell-all artist. She puts it on the table for you. She's very, like, there's nothing to hide type of thing. Um, I like that. I like that. I like listening to it. This album feels very honest and like there's nothing to hide. As I said, Conor O'Burst does some of the songwriting from Bright Eyes. She worked with him in uh, Better Oblivion. I, that, that album I'm not too big on, but uh, Better Oblivion Community Center. It's not terrible, but it's their band that they have together. Uh yeah, another one of those albums that just don't have much to say. It just hits a spot. Everything from the artwork to the mood of the album. Uh, fucking. It hits the spot. Songs like Moon Song again. Save I See You. I Know the End, the closing track that just was the closing track on the playlist as well. Something about this album. I think most people who like this kind of stuff that listen to us have heard it by now. And if they haven't, uh, get on that. Yes. Uh, so that yeah. sums up. That's number one. That sums Bridges Punisher. That sums up our our top ten of the year. That's twenty twenty in review. Anything else you want to add? Uh, next week we have an episode. Yeah, it's our last episode of the year before Christmas and New Year's. So not to scare you, we will be doing a review on. The new Kid Cudi album, Man on the Moon 6. We're going to talk about it a bit. Um, we want to talk a bit and brainstorm in free-flowing mode about future plans. Yeah, we're going to have future plans. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> You're like not sure what to say next, huh? No, but uh, yeah. So what we're going to be doing again, we have the playlists that are out. Follow uh, those. Yeah. Listen to those. Tell your friends about those. Tell your friends about us. There's one uh, playlist uh, fully... T-shirt size large. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> There's one fully curated by yourself. Yeah. 
So I did the best of everything else playlist. Yep. And there's one curated by myself. Yeah. Uh, it is called All Time Podcast Hip Hop Songs of 2020, yeah. aka just Griselda songs. Yeah. Uh, and we will post all of your top albums of the year. Yeah, we're going to share well. those. Yeah, we, we didn't want to talk about it on the episode to uh, for it to just complicate things with people's lists and stuff like that. So the best thing we're going to do is post a list uh, like we did last year and the years before because uh, we've been doing this for about 20 years now. But uh, you guys know the drill. We're going to post your list. Thank you for everyone who gave their list on time, who took the time and effort and... It, to be honest with you, it shows that you guys care about what we do. Yeah. So it, it was really amazing to see all the lists come in. Uh, your guys' list will be posted. Um, yes, Malenko, I've seen your list. I will talk about it with you. Uh, Gabu, thank you for sending the list. Yeah, each great list. One, Very similar to mine. Yes, man. each one, teach one. Uh, your guys' list was amazing. Uh, Sonia, your list, thank you. Uh, all the people that gave the list. G, thank you for being the first one to give your list last week. Uh, but yeah, it, it's amazing to see all the love and support from you guys. If you guys want size large, we have some size larges left. It is Christmas. Okay. So buying your friend or a family member at all-time podcast size large t-shirt is a great gift. It is. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's all I want to say. Thank you guys for... Uh, You're just rolling through the episode, not even if I have something else to add. Oh, but just like, do you have something else to add? No, I guess no. Fuck it. So then where, where would you want to go well, with Well, now it, we're then? too far through to being like, this is the end. No, okay, go, 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 go. Okay, so if you don't want to say anything, then I was gonna say I was gonna say what are things you look forward to in twenty twenty one for music, but oh. now you're at the end. You've promoted no, no, no. the shirts. You've told them that, <laughs> but you didn't hear yourself before saying stuff, right? Saying stuff before promoting when? the shirts before me. You did all no, that. No, you were stuff. already on the on the on the train of getting rid of this what episode. I look forward to in twenty twenty one. To be honest with you, we didn't talk about Taylor Swift folklore this episode. That was a big album of 2020 that didn't get mentioned once this episode. Okay, and did you hear it? Yeah, it's good. Really? Yeah, it's fine. Meaning? It's not in my top ten. Is it a pop album? Nah, it's they were. She works with the guys with the with one of the guys from the National. Did we mention it? I think we did. Yeah, mention it. we did. And I mentioned it when I was talking about the singers album. Did she work with Rick Rubin? No. So maybe that's next on her list. Maybe it is. And it might be the best album of the century. What do you look forward to in 2021 music? I, I look forward to uh, shows, to go tours. Yeah, I'd like to see one of these bands live. I'd like Phoebe to, I'd like to cool go to life. a show with you. I'd like to see an artist. I don't know. I'd like to get out of my house. Yeah. Besides coming here, no offense. I love coming here, by the way. Yeah. And those cookies I ate before were phenomenal. They're good, they're good. But... I don't know, just to fucking live a bit, go watch a show. I was supposed to go see Rancid and Dropkick Murphys. Not happening. No. Uh, I'd like to see, I don't know, I'd just like to go see a show. I'd like for TD to put out more albums. Uh, I'd like, uh, I don't know, just more music. This year was a great year in music, so more music, yeah, the better. Was... I'd like for me not to spend as much money as I did on CDs. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Spend right? Spend less money on that stuff. But you know, our disease. <laughs> what about you? 
What do I look forward to in 2021? Possibly catching, uh, like I said, a Phoebe Bridgers show would be cool. Seeing Fleet Foxes again would be cool. Bartice would be cool live. That would be a really good show to see live. Honestly, if, if he comes, I'd go with you with that. Yeah. I'd even come see The Strokes with you. That would be cool. Yeah, that's something that we've had on our list to do for a long time. That never works. We thought about going to New York even once, and that Who? didn't work out. Us, but uh, my wife and I. Hmm. I guess you don't want to put me in those plans, huh? Well, this album was not you. You hadn't heard it. But other things that I look forward to, hmm. Who would I who would I want to put out a new record in 2021? Plenty, plenty of artists. Kanye? Nah, fuck it. But the guys that, like, I don't know, like Spoon have been recording a new album. That'll be fun. They always put out good stuff. A lot of bands have been making albums during this, so. Would you, I would, Yeah. I hope there's good music coming out of just staying in a room or in a house. Huh. I don't know. I'd like to go out again. I don't know. Maybe go to a bar, catch a beer. Catch a beer? <laughs> have a beer. We I don't forgot, know. We even forgot the fucking terms. I don't know. I just... that stuff. Just enjoy life. Hey, more plans for for us. Yeah. That's going to be fun. I'd yeah, like, we're going to talk about them next week, see if there's anything that... Uh, I would like for people to stop saying they're putting out an album and then not fucking put it out. Like? A lot of people said it. I'm not going to go through the list. But there's supposed to be a lot of music that was supposed to come out this year that didn't. Anyways, it was a big year. I'm happy with the year so far. So. But I guess that's it. Anything you want to add? I think we're done. Did you guys hear? Did you hear the noise on the last episode? Uh, In parts. It, it, it was... It was um, we had to lower the sound machine, so it's probably less apparent in this episode. Okay. But it was harder to edit and clip parts together because okay. we had to kind of like, like, you would sometimes hear like the sound, for some reason the sound machine would get louder. Oh, okay. Like if I was trying to cut like certain volumes of our voice or whatever, the sound machine would boost in the background. Oof, so that must have been horrendous. It, uh, it was a bit more work than usual, but I think this week will be fine. If you don't hear the mouse and that I'm trying to pull up. So basically, we're, as we're, we're either a deep sea diving in the ocean. Look, deep sea diver, impossible. Wait, I, told, I spoke about that album. Yeah. yeah. Or, or we're going to space looking for Kevin aliens. Kevin Spacey, we said we wouldn't speak about him. Oh, we're going to go listen to Blink-182 and aliens exist. Mm. And on that note, thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks, guys. That was 2020 year in review. Sorry for the sloppy ending, but... Hey, at least with the whole year, the whole episode wasn't sloppy like the year was. Take care. Thanks, guys. Bye.